1: It's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsay Patterson and Mike Santagata.
2: We are back on it's always game day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what's up?
1: Uh, nothing. I'm uh, having some people over on Saturday. Little barbecue in my place. And most of my time spent the week is cleaning.
2: I get it. I get it. Summertime, hangouts, and uh, we're just waiting for training camp right now. We really are just waiting for training camp. But I will say this, this off-season or in between summer break, I feel like it is actually flying by a little bit for the Bengals.
1: Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, Somebody told me two weeks until training camp, and my immediate reaction was, no way. I was like, nah, crap. Yeah, (laughs) It's flying by, which is great for training Content and getting stuff and not being in this dead period as long as we are, but uh, not as great for. I was hoping to. I just feel like this at the end of the summer is coming. My favorite season. Hot controversial take.
2: I I am so I cannot believe your ranking. I'm I'm just here to say spring at number two is wild to me. Well,
1: okay, well, two things. One, it ends the seasonal effective. Problem I have with winter, I I get that warmth and uh, I don't really get sad or all of that in the winter. But I do just feel like Bleh. and then that first day that's like seventy five is so nice. Um, I could definitely see the argument for fall higher. I think spring fall same tier. Um, honestly, tear breaker. My birthday's in spring.
2: <laughs> that okay. Then that's the reason spring moves up because me, <laughs> me personally, I'm in August. Um. Uh, birthday so I should love summer it should be number one but here's the thing about August it falls so close to fall it's it's just you know it's right there so I'm I'm more of a fall girl I think football is the best time of year I saw a TikTok the other day and it had the uh the Fox intro to the NFL and it just made me think oh October weather those Sunday games NFL is on maybe the Bengals are on the road and you're watching football so I'm I'm a fall girl and uh yeah really surprised with your rankings and summer's fine
1: Summer's number 1. That's the only time people want to be outside that much, you know?
2: It's 90 degrees today. Okay. I'm, go get I'm, ice cream. It's great. I'm I'm recording a podcast. I'm recording a podcast in the AC. After.
1: After, there's no other season that you can go at like 9 p.m. and get ice cream and it's okay. If I go out 9 p.m. in the fall and get ice cream, I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm cold.
2: Here's the thing, Pendleton Parlor is right across the street, so maybe I'll I'll head down there after we record mm-hmm. because now I need to go get ice cream. But yeah, you know that that's your rankings right now and and that's fine. You know, what, uh, it it beats summer. the quarterback rankings right now because they're <laughs> they are all over the place. I saw one right before we we got on here and I was like, "You know what?" This guy, it's actually a pretty good ranking. I think he had uh Patrick Mahomes first, Joe Burrow second, which is fine. Um, uh Josh Allen third, Jalen Hurts four, sure. and then you get the Justin Herberts and the Lamar Jacksons and everything like that. And I'm I thought, you know what? All the rankings I see on this app every day when it comes to positional groups, I was I was okay with that. But uh, that's where we're at right now, and we're just ready for training camp. As you mentioned, more content. The players are going to get there. Um, I still feel I don't really think my thoughts have changed. But when it comes to contract extensions, I, I feel like it's going to be a training camp situation, at least with Joe Burrow. Um, and speaking of Joe Burrow, we're going to get into our player profile with Luana Arummo next, but. With with uh, Joe, it's it's kind of a semi-normal. We're two weeks away from them reporting to training camp. Normal off season for him right now, and I think that's going to be that's going to be huge. Um, it's just been it's been a it's a it's been a pretty busy off season for the last three years for him.
1: Yeah, I don't really want to talk too much about it because I feel like once we do, you know, You're did right. the append- did the appendicitis hit? Yeah, I feel like it was it was right. pretty late July that happened.
2: Yep, let's don't talk about it. No normal, we're not talking about normal off-seasons right now. We hope for the best when Joe, Joe reports to training camp and we'll get to all of what practice and training camp looks like when the Bengals report in a few weeks, which is really exciting. And I can't wait to see that offensively and defensively. Uh, let's go to Lou and Arumo because we said during this summertime break we would do coordinators or even player profiles. And with Lou and Arumo, I think the fanfare and, and becoming a really one of the favorites – maybe the best defensive coordinator going into the season in the NFL. I think a lot of Bengals fans would say, hey, he was number one for them last year. Uh, But personally, he's he's one of the best in the league and he gets the best out of his players. So um, I'm going to go ahead and start with him as a player profile, player coach profile. And uh, let's talk about uh, what what you want to break down with Lou. Uh,
1: Honestly, I want to start with his start. I think he has one of the most interesting starts for an NFL head coach because there's Not really much, if any, nepotism involved, which means he did not, you know, play or finish college or whatever and immediately make the NFL. So uh, where he comes from is from uh, Staten Island and Wagner High School in Staten Island. He went to Wagner College, got a degree in special education, and then he's the running back coach for Wagner College. He started out actually as the head coach of the junior varsity uh at the high school and worked his way up to running back coach at Wagner they went to Syracuse to be a GA he was the Marine Academy defensive coordinator he went to Harvard was the assistant head coach defensive backs coach Marshall Purdue and then he finally made it to the NFL that was 22 years after he got his job in college he finally made it 23 years that he made it to the NFL as the defensive back coach for the Dolphins He had to be an interim defensive coordinator, then was defense backs coach for the Giants. And then finally to Cincinnati. And I still remember nobody was happy with that one. They all, I can't remember who everybody wanted when he first got hired, Mm -hmm. but it was very much not him. It was, can't we get somebody with, you know, more experience, more, which relative experience. This guy has coached at every level from JV to the NFL and has been doing, did it for 30 years by the time he got his job with the Bengals, which is why he's an older coordinator. Uh, he had to work his way up from nothing. And I think it shows at times, you know, we talk about experience and how he may not have been experienced in the NFL when he got hired in to the Bengals. But he had so much experience at different levels. And I think that's what sometimes shows up with. He could just pull something. He doesn't have like, a traditional like we run this system and that's all we do. It feels like he's done everything. So he could just pull something like when they went against the Titans in the 21 divisional round. Uh he just pulls out the six one tilt front, uh, which Bill Belichick and Vic Fangio made popular a few years prior. But that very much felt to me like, yeah, he could just he could just do that. You know, he's got experience teaching all different levels. He got experience coaching all different levels and where his system and defensive mind comes from seems to be just so scattered and throughout there and varied. And I think that's something that I appreciate. I like that. I like that he worked his way up. He had all this experience at all these different levels where he probably picked a whole bunch of stuff up when you're I assume coaching Marine Academy and uh, Harvard and all these other places, you're not seeing NFL offenses. So when you don't see a traditional pro spread pass the ball 60% of the time offense, he knew what to do. And when you do see that, he also knew what to do because in college and high school, they there's teams that'll run the air raid and throw the ball 80% of the time. So where does that, where does that lend 2021 AFC championship game? Where is drop eight super popular? College. Why? Because of the air raid and all the quick passing. So he was trying to get Mahomes to hold the ball a little bit. He's trying to also contain him within the pocket. I think yeah, it's not to say that's exactly where he got it from when he was coaching in college or coaching in high school. I just think all of that experience gives him the ability to make a switch, make a flip, do something to just Throw an offense off its game because he has the experience all these different levels. And when I get asked often, like, what is Luana Rumo's scheme? It's like, whatever, it's whatever the off, whatever offense he wants to stop. He's a game plan coordinator. I think during the season it's a little bit more rigid of like, not fully rigid, but just like they do like to get into these odd fronts, which means nose tackle DJ reader head up over the center. And then he's going to, take away two gaps. And then you've got everybody else working around him in that three, four. So four, they'll get into that four, two nickel. They'll get into a three or a, a five, one nickel already. This is more rigid, but that's like what they stick to. And it's already like four different fronts just at the start of trying to explain it. And the coverage is it just runs everything. It runs cover two at a higher rate than a lot of defensive coordinators along with Steve Spagnuolo does that. Um, a few, it feels like a few of the better Defensive coordinators are leaning into that, so I don't think that's a scheme thing though. I, I think he likes it, but I don't think if you asked him like what what's your scheme, and he wouldn't say Tampa too, like he's Raheem Morris in the early two thousands or you know Lovey Smith or somebody. Uh, I think he I think it's just very much I go by my personnel and what the offense I'm trying to stop does. So they're very adaptable. The scheme of the Bengals really, to me, is kind of chameleon. Just, you know, they get thrown into there, and then how do they adapt to take on uh, the offense? I almost think of it for the Pokemon people. (laughs) Like, ditto. Because ditto's a Pokemon that when you – it takes a turn, and then it just turns into the Pokemon that's fighting. So that's kind of like who a room he goes out there. What is he? Nah, this week I'm Charizard. I'm so cool
2: what you're talking about right now. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's for
1: that's that's for that's for Pokemon fans out there. Yeah. Um, that could be nobody that's right. listening to this at the while it's live. No, yeah.
2: we're fan, uh friends of the show Pokemon.
0: Pokemon, yeah. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential?
1: Yeah, well, I do think while they have DJ Reader, the philosophy is basically to always – he's able to do, I think, the two most important things that a defense can do. Limit explosive plays because he's going to always keep the shell of the defense there and play over the top and limit that as long as there's no busts or something. It's not a gambling defense really. But also he limits efficiency both in the run and pass game because, and this is why I do think TJ Reader is the most important player on the defense, because of Reader. Because you don't need to commit stuff to the run game when you have Reader. So he's taking away two gaps. What does that do? Instead of putting a guy in that second gap, you can let that guy go back and limit the explosive plays. And Reader's so good that it limits the run game efficiency, so your early down efficiency works for the defense. That They're stopping that. And then they're also stopping the explosive plays. And then also keeping the offense off schedule. You don't want to let the offense get to second and four, uh, third and one type situations too often. And they do a good job of that. So I I just, I really like Lou Ru as a defensive coordinator. I think he's one of the best out there, if not the best, especially now that um, the last one got a job. Well, I guess the Eagles one did too. But uh, yeah, the 49ers, I can't think of his name right. D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryan's got a job. So maybe he is the best defensive coordinator. It's him or Dan Quinn over the past couple of years. And I do think that the playoff performance of Luana Rumo lends itself to maybe giving him a good argument, but I'm not here to rank defensive coordinators. I am here to wax poetically about Luana Rumo and the scheme of the Cincinnati Bengals defense.
2: There's more I want to get to, and we're actually it's going to transfer to our second segment. And I'm sure Bengals fans are okay hearing a more, uh, hearing more about Louie and Arumo, And we're going to get into kind of his defensive styles. And I actually asked Twitter for some of their Louie Arumo games over the last few years, and uh, received a lot of good answers because it's really hard to just pick one. And I know it's really easy for a lot of Bengals fans to say, "Oh, it has to be the AFC Championship game the first time against Patrick Mahomes in the second half. How they were able to turn that on twice?" Honestly, you go back to the January game, uh, the day that they, they clinched the AFC North uh, a year ago and what he was able to do in the second half. And that's just kind of been Lou Anirumo. Um, There's a, a few more regular season games in 2022 I do want to get to. But you brought up a really good point. Um, I want to say that Lou Anirumo, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, when it comes to Zach Taylor hiring his staff because Zach was officially hired later because of the Super Bowl with the Rams. And he's adding a staff later. Other, You know, you're, you're getting guys hired here and there while Zach is still in the playoffs. Zach is going to the Super Bowl, and then he's finally getting his staff together. And I want to say Louis late March and maybe the sixth or seventh pick for Zach Taylor when it comes to the defensive coordinator, but was Jack Del Rio one of the guys? That's too?
1: who I thought it was. That's who I thought Bengals fans all wanted was Jack Del Rio. And well, he hasn't been a better defensive coordinator than Lou in a room over that time period.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely wild. I want to go back to, his first year, Lou's first year in Cincinnati, because obviously it was the, no offense to the pieces, but the majority of the pieces that he had, um, it was almost like just preach patience. It's coming with Lou in a um, you know, you, you get better players, you draft them, you get them in free agency, obviously getting DJ reader in the off season of 2020 uh, was huge too. But you know, what, what did you think about when he was here his first season?
1: Yes, first two years, I think he, like Zach, got better as time went on, but he also got better players. Uh, he was always dealt kind of the bad hand of uh, trying to make everything work. Um, it felt to me like I think what I talk about with the chameleon and everything about, you know, adapting to the offense early on, it did feel a little bit like, well, what's the identity of the defense? And now the identity is to match with the offense and whatnot. But when you don't have those players, what's your identity on defense? Eh, Just kind of moving around. Sometimes it's this and sometimes it's that. Sometimes it didn't really feel like he had one the first year. and I think the first two years, I think it was that third year that really felt like everything started to come together Um, and credit to the Bengals front office for keeping him around because it was, you know, a very popular thing to think that he was gone after the second year, uh, Joe Burrow's rookie year. So yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan in his first year or really his second year, but early on in his third year, I remember, I think it was like week three or week two. I, I wrote an article that was basically like, this defense is legit. Like this, this defense, they're not, just a flash in the pan type thing. They're not just doing something that's kind of gimmicky. This is a legitimate defense. He got his guys and everything looks good. It looks better than I thought
2: it was going to. All right. We're going to have more next when it comes to just looking over the last few seasons with Lou and and, it's absolutely wild to think that he's he's going to be back as the coordinator. Um, you know, I definitely think a lot of teams around the NFL, when it comes to head coaching jobs, really missed out on Lou. And uh, that's a benefit for the Bengals because he's back. And that's absolutely huge on, on the defensive side of the ball. But we'll get to that next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.